الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباد وعلى عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الناس أنتم الفقراء إلى الله والله هو الغني الحميد وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم عينان لا تمسهما النار عين بكت من خشة الله وعين باتت تحرس في سبيل الله أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most suspected brothers and elders, mothers and sisters. Continuing with the discussion regarding the hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam where Hazrat Uqba bin Amir radiallahu ta'ala who had asked a question and he inquired from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam lam man najat what is the path to salvation how does a person get safety and salvation from the challenges that come in the way the obstacles the fitnas and how does a person get safely to akhirat safely to jannat so various details were discussed over the past two days rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam had replied amsik alayka lisanak wal yasaka baytuk wa abki ala khati'atik that you want to gain this najat and salvation you want to move safely through this passage of dunya and reach your destination of akhirat of jannat then there are three things that you will have to hold on to very very fast and very very firmly obviously you will have to fulfill the commands of allah taala and will have to refrain from the disobedience of allah taala but these are three highlights which if you adhere to very very firmly then inshallah you will find that your passage to jannat will be very easy so the first thing that was mentioned was amsik alayka lisanak that restrain your tongue from talking just anything and everything from just blurting out things from speaking without first thinking what is going to be the effect of this is this the right thing to say am i saying it in the right way it might sometimes be right but is this the right time to say it or should i postpone it for a more suitable time various things that go with it so in any case the first was amsik alayka lisanak control your tongue hold your tongue back from saying things that should not be said or saying things in the wrong way and wal yasaka baytuk let your home be sufficient for you let the home be sufficient one is that stay indoors without without a valid or a necessary necessary purpose don't don't leave the home either for some dini necessity or some worldly necessity within the limits of shariat if there is no such necessity then don't leave home stay indoors because you'll be saved from a lot of fitnas and outdoors there are numerous things that become a problem for a person and 
person who didn't even have any intention of committing wrong gets caught up in so much of wrong. And the other part of this was the aspect of contentment. Be content. Whatever Allah Ta'ala has blessed you with, be content with it. Whatever Allah Ta'ala grants somebody in a halal manner, the halal ni'mat that he possesses, that's a ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. He should use it, make shukr, be grateful to Allah Ta'ala, use it in a way that will earn the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala. Not to become proud and arrogant over it, not to boast by means of these ni'mats, not to use it to try and create an impression and an image. So the second part was, let your home be sufficient for you. And in that was both these aspects, staying indoors and not leaving without necessity and also being content. And the third aspect that was mentioned, which we commenced discussing yesterday, Wabki ala khati'atik, that cry over your sins. So one is to say and make tawbah. So obviously, when it is mentioned in the Quran Sharif or in the Hadith Sharif that make tawbah, وَتُوبُوا إِلَى اللَّهِ جَمِيعًا أَيُّهَا الْمُؤْمِنُونَ لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ All of you make sincere tawbah, tubu إِلَى اللَّهِ All make tawbah. Jami'an, everyone together. In other words, nobody should get left out. Everyone should make tawbah. And especially at this time, when we are going through these kind of conditions, the whole ummah is facing numerous challenges. So this is a clear message to everybody. Everybody should now make tawbah. So that you succeed. So this path to success is sincere tawbah. To succeed from these challenges, from these trials and tribulations, the path of success is Toba. So whenever the mention of Toba comes in the Quran Sharif, in the Ahadith of Rasulullah wasallam, it is obvious that that Toba is being referred to, which in the court of Allah Ta'ala qualifies to be Toba. Not just some lip service Toba. What fulfills the requirements of Toba? And among the requirements of Toba is the aspect of remorse, regret, deep remorse and regret. Now in this Hadith Sharif, Rasulullah is saying to us, Wabki ala khati atik, cry over your sins. The, the cry over your sins. Principally, what is being explained is Toba, that make Toba. But the aspect of Toba, which is being highlighted, is actually one of the preconditions for Toba. And that is that remorse, that regret. When a person is truly regretting something, remorseful over something, then when it reaches its peak, that remorse and regret really has reached a peak, it just breaks him down. It just makes him break down. It just brings the tears flowing out of his eyes. It just brings the heart overflowing with that sorrow, with that grief. That is the message and the picture that is being given to us in this Hadith Sharif. Not just something very casually, just in passing, Allah must forgive me. Alhamdulillah, that too is not without benefit. The fact that somebody brings on his tongue 
that Allah Ta'ala forgives me, Allah Ta'ala should forgive me, or he's begging Allah Ta'ala, ya Allah forgive me, that too is a very great thing. Compared to somebody on whose tongue is some haram, somebody is making ghibat, somebody is talking some vulgarity, somebody is saying something else, and on the other side is somebody saying, Ya Allah forgive me, it's a very great thing. But that toba which is devoid of that remorse and regret is not really toba. So the toba that we are being encouraged to take here is this babki ala khati. I think where there is this remorse deep down in the heart, and it brings that that remorse is of such a level that it just brings these this cry out. If the eyes cry, that's excellent. If the eye can't cry for that moment, then the heart at least is crying, and the heart is crying over the hardness of the heart. This is the point that we were discussing yesterday, that the hardness of the heart, when the heart becomes hard, then it doesn't even move towards Toba, towards righteous actions. It's very, very difficult to do what has been commanded. It is very difficult to move towards Salah, to engage in Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, to spend some time making the Zikr of Allah Ta'ala, to sacrifice for the sake of deen becomes very difficult and when the heart is soft then that softened heart very easily it flows towards righteousness towards tilawat towards zikr of Allah ta'ala, towards dua towards various forms of ibadat towards the khidmat of deen towards the helping of others sacrificing one's own needs for the needs of others. So all these things become very easy when the heart has softened. And if the heart is hard, then it's very, very difficult. So this is that very important factor to now consider that what kind of heart we should be having within ourselves. And what is it that has hardened our hearts? So we had already commenced discussing yesterday some of the things that harden this heart. So among the things that we discussed yesterday was this engrossment in dunya. That a person gets engrossed in dunya. And as a result of this engrossment in dunya, the heart gets hardened. One is, as mentioned, that a person has a particular line of business. So for his business itself, and whatever goes along with it, he's going to be engaged in that. He's going to talk about it, he's going to be contacting people about it, he's going to try to talk to customers, he's going to be talking to suppliers, he's going to be dealing with various matters that go along with that business. So all this is apparently dunya, but if he has the right intention, that it is in order to earn a halal risk, and he is not crossing the line of shariat in any way, then even all this speaking, provided it's within the limits of shariat, and with the right intention, he will get rewarded for this also. It is not just for the sake of amassing dunya, it is to earn a halal risk, which is an obligation of deen. And he is not crossing the line of deen in what he is doing. He is not cheating, he is not deceiving, he is not indulging in interest, he is not getting involved in bribery and corruption, he is not getting involved in any other kind of wrong and vice, 
that this is a very great ibadat he's involved in. And such a great ibadat that on the day of Qiyamah, Rasulullah says that the trader, the Muslim trader, At-Tajirus Saduqul Amin, who is uh, honest and trustworthy, who is honest and trustworthy, then he will be raised with the Anbiya Ali Musalatu Wasalam, with the Siddiqeen and with the Shuhada on the day of Qiyamah. Subhanallah. We can't imagine what a tremendously great thing this is. So that is in its place. But where dunya becomes the focus of the person's life and all the time engrossed in dunya, anything and everything about dunya, only dunya, no time for deen, no time for the tilawat of the Quran Sharif, no time for zikr, for dua, and even the first salah sometimes is compromised, salah with jamaah is compromised. So that is what is being referred to as being engrossed in dunya. That engrossment in dunya hardens the heart. And now as the heart gets harder, then the person who was regular with his salah, he's still regular, but that salah is a very, very haphazard salah. Just barely done. Salah with jama'ah starts becoming a thing of the past. It becomes history. Or occasionally only it happens. And then gradually even that starts slipping. And then in terms of other aspects, very difficult. Some time for deen, some time for the majalis of deen, to sit down and make some zikr, to make dua, to make tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, to take some time to assist others, very difficult. So this is one of the things that hardens the heart. Then together with this, another very, very uh, serious matter that impacts very deeply on the heart and hardens it is bad company. Company that is not conducive to deen. This bad company really destroys the heart. The person who never had many, many uh, wrong inclinations, suddenly is inclined to so much of wrong. And the person who never imagined he would do some wrongs, some sins which he heard about, others getting involved in, and he thought to himself that, Alhamdulillah, I'm not involved in this, so I, I'm safe. But then he did not look after himself in terms of the company that he uh, associated with. And when he got into the wrong company, before he knew it, he too was involved in those same vices. So this wrong company, bad company, very much hardens the heart. And this bad company is one is human company. Then likewise, apart from human company, is even electronic company in our time and age. This is one of the most common issues, the company that people keep with their devices. But that can be a very, very dangerous company. It can be the worst company. It can be good company also. And it can become the worst company. And Allah forbid... It seems that more often than not, it's people's worst company. So everything gets destroyed. The heart gets hardened. The heart gets totally hardened. person was, mashallah, so moving so well in deen. But now the heart is hardened. And there's no drive to do anything. And everything is just on a slide. Where it started off from? These things. The company that he kept. 
And that company led to haram, led to illicit things, led to getting illicit contacts, illicit chats, looking at haram, and going to haram places thereafter, and what not happens, Allah Ta'ala protect us and save us. So this hardens the heart. Now afterwards a person sometimes thinks, well, I'll just do this a little bit now, and then later on I'll just sort it out. But meanwhile the heart is getting harder. It's not a matter of just sort it out. It's the heart is getting harder. It is getting more difficult to now make it, to, to mold it, and to make it turn in a direction. It's now getting deep into that sin and vice, and getting hard into that sin and vice. So this hardened heart, this too is among the very serious things that hardens the heart. And among the things that harden this heart is consumption of haram. Now many a times a person is very careful about eating halal food in the sense that he will ensure that what he is eating that meat for example was bought from a place that is above board or that meal that he is Consuming was bought from a place that is above board. There is no doubt about the halal status of the food that is being served there. So now he's very conscious about that. If somebody offers him something that has got some haram ingredient in it, some thing to do with pork or something to do with wine, and that one percent of that haram ingredient in that whole product he won't want to touch it, and he won't touch it, and that's the right thing to do. So, mashallah, on that level, many a person is very conscious. But, that is not enough. While it is very important that that product must not have any haram ingredients in it, but even that halal product, if it is purchased with wealth that is contaminated, then that too is going to cause a problem within us that too is going to harden the heart. Because that product itself was halal, but the wealth with which it was purchased was contaminated. There was deception involved. Now that, that wealth that was earned through deception, cheating the customer in some way, or the person cheated the employer in some way, and earned that salary, the person did something else underhand, got involved in some fraud, did some others wrong in some way which contaminated the earning, the earning and now with that contaminated earning the person is consuming, he is buying his food, he is nourishing himself, that also terribly hardens the heart because that is a kind of poison that is being ingested and now when the heart is hardened there is no inclination towards righteousness, it is all in a different direction. So these are some of the things that cause this hardness of the heart. This engrossment in dunya, the wrong company, company of humans that are not conducive, and likewise the company of devices and other things, non-human company, that too. And then what is consumed? So in any case, there's many other things, but these are some of the more important things and more important factors that cause this hardness of the heart. But now the thing is, that how are we going to be 
able to soften this heart. And indeed this soft heart is what is required. We need to soften this heart for Allah Ta'ala, for the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. We look into the lives of the pious predecessors, we see that they had this heart that was very, very soft for Allah Ta'ala's remembrance. And it would be very easily moved out of the love of Allah Ta'ala, out of the fear of Allah Ta'ala, very easily moved. Mr. Rabia Basriya, Rahmatullah Aliha, somebody presented a roasted chicken in front of her. As he presented some food in front of her, roasted chicken, and she started crying. Now what made her cry? She asked her, you crying? In other words, this is now not an occasion to cry. There's nothing that apparently there's any reason to be crying here. You've been presented with something good, something people look forward to. Why are you crying? So she replied and said that my mind went in a different direction. I thought about it, that this chicken is so fortunate that first it was slotted in a proper manner, it was slotted in a halal way, so now it became halal to consume, but after it was slotted, its life was out. There was no life left. Now that its life was gone, it was then roasted. So it was roasted, it felt no pain, because its life was gone, it was not living anymore. It was now slotted already in the correct manner. So I, suddenly my mind went elsewhere, I thought about the situation, Allah forbid, if I leave this world in a manner that I am disobedient to Allah Ta'ala, then I will get roasted alive in Jahannam. Allah Ta'ala protect us. That thought, merely that thought, shook me and I started crying. This is what made me cry. Now this was actually the legacy of the sahaba kiram and the Sahaba they received this from none other than Rasulullah that they would be constantly concerned and they would be thinking about the situation that will come up in the Akhirat and they would be thinking about things of this nature and it will move them to tears, it will bring them to sometimes break down, they won't be able to control their crying sometimes because they are so affected by what they have just heard or saw, heard or saw Sayyidina Uthmani Ghani radiallahu ta'ala when he would come to a grave, he would cry so much that his beard would become wet with his tears. Now it doesn't take one or two tears to be able to wet the beard. It means that the tears were rolling continuously, so the whole face got wet, and then after the face got wet, it carried on flowing, because now once the face is totally soaked, then what comes over that will just flow further down. So as a result, his beard, now one is one drop, two drops, you won't even know where it went in the beard. But how much of tears there must be for the beard to get soaked with tears? So somebody would ask also that you cry so much, you come to a grave, you cry so much. He says, yes, this is the first step of the Akhirat. And if a person has passed through this well, then the rest is all fine for him. He will go through there as well, very easily. But if he fails here, then he is in a big problem going ahead. So this is why I am so moved when I come to a qabr. Now one is the impact that it had on Sayyidina Osman Ghani radiallahu ta'ala Let us consider what is our situation 
when we go to the Qabristan, we go to the graveyard, we attend a janaza, or we see a janaza, or we sitting around a janaza, or we hear about somebody passed away, how much does it move us? Does it move us? Does it make us think about our own death? When we are helping to put a mayyit into his qabr, at that time do we reflect to think that tomorrow I will be also be laid down? If we do not come to the point of Sayyidina Osman Ghani that it moves us to the point of shedding so much tears, and even if no tears come, do we even stop to reflect? Let the thoughts cross our mind. That what's going to be my position tomorrow in the Qabr? Now, among the things that soften this heart, this is one very important aspect. Thinking about the Akhirat, meditating, making this muraqaba of moth, thinking about and meditating about one's own death. So taking time daily, three minutes, five minutes, thinking about one's death, this has a very deep impact on the heart and it softens the heart. So imagining all the scenes of one's own death, that suddenly my time has come and now I'm leaving and my soul is departing and people are around me, somebody is crying, somebody is saying something, whatever, and now my soul has left me and what is the scene at that time around me? Imagine imagine that about ourselves. And now the ghusl is being given to me. Now I'm lying there in my coffin. Then the time has come for me to now be taken away. And now I'm on the shoulders of people. And then it's the janaza salah taking place. And now I'm being lowered into the grave. In that narrow place. I'm being lowered deep down into the grave. Now those planks have been put into place and it's already darkened the grave so much. And then it's that heaps of sand that is now falling onto those planks and closing up that grave. Imagine this whole scene and then think about what's going to be the situation when the angels come to question me. What's going to be the situation when I'm raised on the day of Qiyamah and I have to give an account of my deeds. This has a very deep impact on the heart and helps to soften the heart. Now, because of the kind of heart that these personalities had, Sayyidina Usman Ghani the kind of heart that he had, because of this, this moved him in such a way that he cried in this manner. So, this is the thing that we need to look at. How much has our hearts been softened? How much do we feel that movement in our hearts when something is said to us, we are advised about deen, we look at the great Sahaba, Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah radiallahu ta'ala he is among those Sahaba who uh, were, present in the, were present in the battle of Badr, for whom the announcement of the forgiveness of Allah ta'ala was given, among those who the glad tidings of Jannat is given to them, and yet he is sometimes saying, that I wish I was a sheep, I was already slaughtered, and my owners, they slaughtered me, and then they cooked me and ate me, and they licked up that gravy also of me. In other words, then finished nothing left of me, and done with. Why was he saying this? Such a great personality? Why was he saying this? Out of fear of the akhirat. But because we don't think anything about the akhirat, the dunya is like the be-all and end-all and we just got to live our life in dunya and enjoy. So we don't think about the akhirat. 
So it doesn't bring any softness in our hearts. Whereas he is that personality where Rasulullah said, لِكُلِّ قَوْمٍ أَمِينٌ وَأَمِينُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ أَبُوْ عُبَيْدَ تُبْنُ الْجَرَّاحِ That the trustworthy person of my ummah, meaning the person at the peak of this amanat and trustworthiness, is Abu Ubaidah bin Jarrah. And he is now in this condition that this is how he is thinking about himself. And this is not unique to him. This was the condition of various Sahaba Radiyallahu the slightest thing would take their mind towards Akhirat. Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala we all know the personality among the Asharai Mubashara who Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa gave the glad tidings of Jannah. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa gave him the glad tidings of Jannah while he was walking on this earth. And he said to him that when you walk from one side, shaitan flees from the other side. Shaitan cannot cross paths with you. Abdullah ibn Abbas, he says, he says that once Umar ibn Khattab called me. And when I came to him, I see this gold, pieces of gold, this is just scattered like, like stones, like pebbles, just scattered on one piece of uh, skin, on a skin. So this was actually some wealth that had come as booty or as jizya. So he called Abdullah bin Abbas and he said to him that what you do is take this and go and distribute it among your people. And then he's saying that I'm not sure why this came to me. It was with help from Rasulullah it was with help from Abu Bakr Siddiq it has come to me is it good for me or is it not good for me? Or is it bad for me? And nevertheless, he told him, you take it and go and distribute it. Then Abdullah bin Abbas says, I took it and I woke up from there, and then suddenly I can hear, meaning he left the house, and then he can hear, he said, I can hear some crying, and then this crying gets more intense. I turn back and I come, I see Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab, he is crying, and he's weeping. And he said, Ya Allah, definitely this cannot be good for me. You withheld it from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You withheld it from Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu ta'ala. And you sent it now. It cannot be good if you withheld it from them. It must be a major test, a test and a trial for me. Now he is seeing wealth and it is bringing him down to tears. It's making him weep. Whereas, where does such a thought cross our mind? when something of this nature comes. Not that a person, if he's earned some halal wealth, he must throw it away. It's a ni'mat of Allah Ta'ala. But the concern, the fear, that is the point. That the hearts weren't attached to these things. It was in their hands. And it was easy to just dispense with it, to spend it in the correct manner, not to amass it and hoard it, so this was the way in which these personalities, the slightest thing would take their hearts and minds towards Akhirat. Abdullah bin Mubarak, rahmatullahi very great muhaddis, very great personality of deen, he seated with some people and suddenly the lamp got extinguished. So now it's night, it's dark, 
and sometimes it's so dark you can't even see your hand in front of your face. Now suddenly that lamp got extinguished. So everybody was left in this darkness. So somebody somehow made their way to the lamp and got it lit again. So now when it got lit again and the light now spread and things now became visible again, they see Abdullah bin Warak, whoever was present there, they see his tears are flowing and he's crying. They asked him what happened. Because nobody heard anything and nobody knew what was going on in the darkness. Now suddenly when the light came on, it became obvious this person is crying. They asked him what happened. He said, no, I just thought about in this darkness, when the darkness suddenly came, the light was switched off, I thought about the darkness of the cover. What's going to happen in the cover? What's going to happen in the grave? Well, I have the light of the cover. Now, can we imagine such great personalities? And this was their concern. Repeatedly, their mind and heart is going towards Akhirat. So this is one of the very, very important things and one of the most effective things in making this heart, in, in softening this heart and making it pliable, making it very easy to flow, for this heart to flow towards righteousness. This is the remembrance of occurrence of Akhirat, remembrance of death. Then among the things that will soften this heart is the Tilawat of the Quran Sharif. The Tilawat of the Quran Sharif, one is a person, mashallah, knows the meaning of the Quran Sharif, so to try and make the tilawat with tadabbur, with pondering over the meaning of the Qur'an Sharif. This has a tremendously great impact on the heart and softens the heart. So this should be done as much as possible. And if for any reason the, and the person doesn't have the understanding of the Qur'an Sharif, doesn't know the meaning of the Qur'an Sharif, then too he is not deprived. Make tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. But make tilawat with the niyat of hidayat. Even if the person did not understand the meaning, but he's consciously making tilawat with the niyat of hidayat. Inshallah, this too will tremendously soften the heart. And the heart will then easily move towards righteousness. Together with this is the zikr of Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. The daily remembering Allah tabarak wa ta'ala by means of the recitation of the various tasbihat and zikrs. So this too has an impact on the heart. All these things are the ilaj and the remedy for the hardness of the heart. The problem that comes up is that when a person gets involved in sin, as we mentioned among the things that harden the heart, engrossment in dunya and then consuming haram, etc. One of the most serious things that hardens the heart is sin. It comes in the Hadith Sharif when a person commits a sin, then a black spot appears on the heart. And if he makes sincere toba, it gets wiped out. If not, it remains. Then when he commits a second sin, the second dark spot comes. And then a third sin, the third dark spot comes. And this goes on. And eventually the heart gets engulfed in darkness. And that is when it starts becoming hardened. So now that hardened heart it's now engulfed in darkness. It can't see any good. Because in darkness you can't see what's right and wrong. So this darkness of the heart now prevents a person from seeing what is beneficial for him, what is harmful for him. So this becomes a very hard, very hard heart. So now by the sincere toba, excessive istighfar, the zikr of Allah wa ta'ala, the tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif, 
repenting sincerely with remorse and regret, this starts cleaning out that sin and the darkness of the heart is dispelled. Now that the light has been created in the heart, it starts softening and now this heart can easily move towards righteousness. Otherwise that hardened heart is very difficult. So this is the manner in which we have to soften that heart and inshallah when that heart has been softened for Allah tabarak wa ta'ala, then that heart will easily move towards righteousness and then we'll be able to practice upon what is mentioned, mentioned in this hadith sharif, wabki ala khati'atik, that cry over your sins, to the extent that the person has developed this remorse and regret, he'll be able to cry over his sins. Otherwise, the person gets deeper and deeper into the sins. So may Allah wa ta'ala give us the tawfiq to practice on this hadith sharif, just to recap it very quickly, the first thing that was mentioned as this prescription for najat was amsik alayka lisanak, control your tongue, restrain your tongue. This can never be overemphasized. Restrain the tongue, think before speaking, don't just blurt out anything, think whether it's the right thing to say, think whether this is the right time to say it. Sometimes it's not the right time to say it. Because saying it at that time might just escalate the matter rather than resolve it. So, thinking about whether it's right to say it, whether it's the right time to say it, whether it's the right manner of saying it, and together with that, let your home be sufficient for you, for you. One is not leaving without necessity, and the other is contentment. Being content with whatever Allah wa ta'ala has blessed one with. And the last point was, last point was, cry over your sins. Now, in the current circumstances that we are in, we are already in a lockdown. So, in a way, well, we are already, uh, whether we like it or not, it has been forced upon ourselves that we have to remain indoors. Now, to also develop that contentment. Now, this is the middle aspect, that we are already in this lockdown, we are already in homes. And our home now, to make it sufficient for us, not to be now... Uh, trying to do things that shouldn't be done which would have possibly been the problem outside, now we brought it inside so while well, Yasaka Beituk is already there now to learn to develop that contentment as well so while being stuck in, ho- in the home we have to become content with that because if a person is not content with it he'll become frustrated he'll want to be running out somewhere but he can't and because he cannot run out he cannot go here and there, that frustration is building up, then that frustration is being vented on others. Now he learn, he has to learn to be content to now be there, because he got no option. So just as we have to learn to be content with where we are, we have to learn to become content with what we have. And inshallah this will then develop this very great quality of qana'at in us. So this is the second very great message and lesson that we were given that we are now in the state of lockdown so we we practice on this, bring this contentment in and the first aspect was amlik alayka lisanak so now in this lockdown situation we are interacting with people at very close quarters and in a way that we are not so used to everybody is now just around one another now is the time to learn how to keep the tongue under control and to think before saying something. 
Because these are the challenges. In a state of challenge, a challenge, a crisis, it brings out the best in people. You see, sometimes there's a challenge, there's a crisis, and mashallah, some person, he is ready to lay down his life for somebody else's benefit. So now it brought out the best in a person. He looked like an ordinary person, nobody would give him a second thought, or think that he had such great qualities in him. But now in a challenge situation, in a crisis situation, he came right in the way to protect somebody else, and put his life in danger for the protection of somebody else. It brought out the best in a person. So often, crises, when a person is in a severe challenge, a situation is very challenging, it brings out the best in people. It often brings out the worst in people also. The crisis brings out the worst in people also. The person was seeming very nice, seeming very, very good, but in a crisis suddenly he flipped. Now the, another, another side of him came out. So now the crisis brought out the worst in the person. So some person, the crisis brings out the best in him. It brings out the generosity in him. It brings out that compassion in him. It brings out that true dedication and commitment to deen in him. It brings out his devotion to Allah Ta'ala. Now he's practicing even more and he's making more ibadat. He's turning more to Allah Ta'ala. He's spending more time in tilawat of the Qur'an Sharif. He's waking up for tahajjud. So there was this dormant in him. It was there. It was not yet shining enough. But the crisis brought it out. It made it shine. And the crisis sometimes brings the worst in the person. He was seeming to be fine. But now the crisis came. He got started getting frustrated. Now he's suddenly swearing also. Which was not his custom. He's not, not customary of him. Not something that he was habitual about. Once in a while he might have said something out of line. But this was not heard from him. That he is swearing and he is using vulgarities. But now the crisis brought the worst out. That this person also has this kind of vulgarity in him. Now he is uh, just venting anger here, there, everywhere. Just in every small little thing. The crisis is bringing the worst out. So we need to develop ourselves and bring the correct things within us. And by learning how to control our tongue, we will start developing the right things. Then in a situation that is very challenging also, the right will come out. Because we've developed the good in us by controlling our tongue, by developing this qanaat and contentment, by crying over our sins, by making our islah, by taking advice and guidance on how to overcome these maladies of the heart. Then we see slowly, gradually, there's an improvement, there's a change. And now when there's a situation where there's a challenge, that best will come out. Because that best has been developed inside. May Allah Ta'ala grant us the ability to practice on these beautiful teachings of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah Ta'ala grant us that control over our tongues and over our anger. Enable us to be appreciating this ni'mah that Allah Ta'ala gave us. Grant us contentment and give us the ability to make sincere tawbah and beg Allah Ta'ala's forgiveness all the time. لا تبارك وتعالى جرانت التوفيق وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين لا إله إلا الله محمد رسول الله 
صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأصحابه وبارك وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جز الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم الله جل جلاله عم نواله الله 